It's time now for the morning line here on KMA. Iowa Congresswoman Cindy Axney is once again expressing concerns about big banks allegedly shifting jobs overseas. She joins us on the line this morning with more on this issue and uh, comments on some other things. Good morning to you, Congresswoman. Well, good morning, Mike. Hello, everybody. Good to have you back with us. And uh, first of all, as we record this on a Wednesday morning, you were due to participate in a House Financial Services Committee hearing today with the CEOs of major banking institutions. Could you talk about what the purpose of this committee hearing is all about? Well, that's right. Um, it's really about holding big banks accountable. And so, unfortunately, for what seems to be the norm, big banks have spent the last several years lining the pockets of their CEOs and their shareholders. You know, we see folks like J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon making $84.5 million with, you know, up almost $32 million from the previous year. Same thing with Wells Fargo. Uh, CEO Charles Sharp, who made $24.5 million in 2021 uh, compared to 20%, you know, that's 20% more than he made the year before. And this is where I want to talk to him about, because while he's making the big money here, uh, I'm hearing that they're going to lay off another 400 employees. That's the announcement that they made. Uh, they did this in the past, uh, where they laid off um, about 300-plus uh, employees, and I confronted the then-CEO of Wells Fargo at a hearing uh, on that. And a few months later, uh, you know, we were able to ensure that those folks who were uh, laid off uh, got the trade adjustment assistance that they needed, which helped them move towards a brighter future. But that wasn't happening until he was held accountable for shipping those jobs overseas. Uh, so I want to make sure, as Wells Fargo is again shrinking operations here in Iowa, what their plan is. Uh, you know, obviously it's in the mortgage uh, sector of things. What is their plan to help keep good-paying jobs in our community? What is their plan to help these workers if they are letting them go? What is their plan to hopefully find them another job within Wells Fargo itself? And overall, I want to make sure they know I've got an eye on them, just like I did a few years ago, and I'm going to hold them accountable to making sure that these people are made whole in any way they can be. When this happens, when we see a shift of the workforce overseas to other countries, such as we had with uh, Wells Fargo earlier, what does that do to the economy, not only the nation's economy, but uh, particularly the state's economy, which is so dependent on uh, big corporations like Wells Fargo? Well, it, it, the impact is phenomenal. Spe you know, specifically, let's first talk, they're not paying their fair share in taxes. They ship jobs overseas. Um, they're paying a lot less taxes in America here. And these are folks who are using our, you know, our prop, our land, uh, our workers, our electric system, our technology, our school system to get the employees, et cetera. So they're using, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're shipping these jobs out uh, and they're not paying their fair share uh, right here in America. That's, that's issue number one. Uh, secondly, what it does is it starts destroying the fabric of this country in regard to the size of our communities. We've seen this throughout um, the last you know, several decades, as far too many corporations have offshored jobs. We're now at a point where we're going to start bringing some of those back, Mike, which is so exciting, through the Inflation Reduction Act and the CHIPS Act, um, where we're going to be reshoring jobs plus creating jobs. But just through the Inflation, uh, sorry, through the CHIPS Act, we're expecting uh, 350,000 jobs to be reshored. That is actually on the books right now for coming back to America. So when I think about 350,000 jobs coming back, I spread that out across America, across every community. The fact that a dollar 
uh, in uh, a worker's pocket equates to about $2.30 spent in their community. And then I think about what we lose when we don't have those hundreds of thousands of jobs. It's money right back into small town Iowa and money right back into the coffers of our communities to help them expand and grow. So quite honestly, it is um, it takes away from the fabric of our country. It takes away from opportunity for families because it ships opportunity out of our shores and over to people in other countries. When something like this happens, we, other than what's been done already, what else needs to be done to ensure that these companies aren't sending the jobs overseas and that the workers are getting the help they deserve uh, beyond what's been done already? Yeah, this is when you really have to work closely with the workers. And for instance, um, uh, many, a lot of the workers out here are in a, what's called the Communication Workers uh, Union. And that's who I first started talking to last time uh, when I was hearing the, you know, the rumbling, what was happening with those jobs being let go. And we made sure that uh, I, I got in there and understood the, exactly what was happening, um, worked with them to get as much data and information as I could to ensure that I understand from the workers' perspective who didn't have a voice like the CEO and the administration that can put out the press releases and all that, that I heard from both sides. And that we ensure that we're working with those workers to hold these organizations accountable. So I would say if I had to say if there's one thing that we can do across the board in making sure that we hold corporations accountable is have relationships with workers, whether that is through unions, whether that is through worker organizations, uh, whether that is through just leadership in the employee ranks in those companies because it's important that their voices are part of the conversation. And that's why when I found out originally about jobs being, uh, you know, taken out of Iowa at Wells Fargo, I went straight and talked to the workers, because that's where I found the difference in the stories, Mike. <laughs> and that's where I was able to find out that those folks didn't get any trade adjustment assistance. And then I put pieces together, and I thought, well, my gosh, I'm hearing these jobs from these workers are, you know, they've trained somebody in another country, and then they didn't get any trade adjustment assistance. Those two things, if I put, put one and one together, means the job did get sourced out because you wouldn't be training somebody in some other country for your job if it wasn't. And then they skirted paying those employees the assistance that they needed. So that's why I think it's important to really be on the ground. And that's how I think we all should be working, Mike, with workers in our districts to make sure that corporations and workers are working together for good solutions. Switching to another topic, I know you've been uh, following the situation regarding the freight rail corporations and the rail workers unions. The strike was averted after a, a deal was reached uh, recently. What was your reaction to that deal, and do you think this is going to bring about any sort of peace between the rail workers unions and the freight companies they work for? Yeah, well, listen, I was uh, heavily involved in a lot of conversations regarding that. And as a matter of fact, as early as March this year, uh, I wrote a letter to the Surface Transportation Board with Rep. Uh, Feenstra asking the board to look into this because we were hearing significant concerns out of uh, our Iowa agriculture in particular because, you know, we have got to get our products out the door uh, and make sure that they don't spoil uh, and so we have to make sure we're moving them. And we had a 231% increase in the number of unfilled grain rail cars compared to last year. And some, many of them, were 11 days or more delayed. Unacceptable in moving, you know, our products from Iowa. 
Uh, and so I've been at this for a while here. But I do have to say, I'm going to give a lot of praise um, to Marty Walsh, Secretary Walsh of the Labor, uh, and President Biden. And their relationship with the unions, their relationship with the railroad was the thing that was able to make this happen. Because I got to tell you, Mike, earlier in that day, I had locomotive uh, and railroad uh, representation in my office. I had agriculture folks calling me on the phone. And within hours, the president uh, and secretary of labor were able to sort this out. And that's what it means to be caring about your country. But we got to make sure that we don't run into these problems again. And that's why uh, I support the Freight Rail Shipping Fair Market Act and why we need to get this, uh, you know, signed uh, into law. And what this would do uh, is many things, but it, the key things, it would strengthen the board's authority to address rail service emergencies so they can get right in and address it. It would require that the contracts include service delivery standards and remedies. Let, the pri let them privately negotiate between the parties, of course, but make sure that there are some remedies there and some structures that are in place. And then it also creates uh, financial incentives for both railroads and their customers to efficiently uh, move these rail, rail cars. And then many other aspects, like the board's ability to uh, allow quicker dispute resolution when they're petitioned. Um, so it, it's going to clean up the structure of the, the board, um, make sure that uh, we're not stuck in a situation like this again. Uh, and just like we did with the Ocean Shipping Reform Act, ensure that there isn't one entity literally controlling the livelihood of Iowans uh, because they're a key component of moving our goods. We've got to do things like that. We started with ocean shipping. We're now working on rail freight, and we're going to continue to bust through these barriers that, you know, are part of our country's fabric to make sure that we can fix them for the future. Congresswoman, we've run out of time for this session. Thank you very much for being with us again this morning, and we'll talk to you again at this time next week. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you, Mike. That's Iowa Congresswoman Cindy Axney on The Morning Line here on KMA.